0: Hey everyone, it's Pona. Welcome to True Form, a podcast where I dump my thoughts because human brains are too complex for our own fucking good and we just need places to dump our brains out in order to function properly. So today, as per the title, I'm talking about strategies to get people to like you. If you clicked on this, expecting a step-by-step guide, that's not what you're getting, sorry. (laughs) What I'm actually talking about today is a study that I participated in, in June of this year. I'm not going to disclose where the study was done, but essentially the purpose of the study was to see how people solve interpersonal problems. I was put on a computer where I had to type in answers to a series of questions. It presented me with scenarios involving some conflict, but the funny part was it also told me how I should feel in said scenarios. It also provided the happy outcome at the end and asked me to fill in the middle with a strategy to overcome the given conflict and reach the happy ending provided. In other words, it was very limiting. So basically it was like saying, Six plus blank equals 14. You know? So there has to be like something that fits right in the middle to get the outcome that you want. But this isn't basic mathematics. This is like interpersonal problems, right? So, (laughs) you know, like it doesn't work that way in real life. So, anyway, yeah, that's basically what it was. So I don't remember exact details about the scenarios that I was given since this was back in June. But, um, there was one about being an employee and your boss doesn't seem to like you very much, but you really want them to. In the end, your boss likes you and you feel happy at work. The second scenario was about getting into a fight with a person you're dating and they walk out and you really want them back. And in the end, you're back together and everything is sunshine and daisies. The last scenario was where your group of friends all of a sudden stops talking to you but you really want them to like you again, and in the end, you're part of the group again, and you feel included, and you're laughing, you're having fun, you know, whatever. So the common thread between these scenarios was that I was supposed to be desperate for people to like me, and I had to come up with strategies. Strategies was the word they used in the study to get people to like me again instead of just letting them fuck off, which, in real-life situations, is often the healthier option. After I answered all the questions, I asked the experimenter why the questions told me how I should feel and what the outcomes should be. Why was I supposed to want people to like me? She told me that they were written quite a long time ago and were actually meant to be universal, meaning that the way it describes how you should feel should be true for everyone, and the answers that I give were supposed to be my genuine reactions and plans of action. However, I explained that the fact that I was told how to feel about my boss not liking me, or my boyfriend walking out of me after an argument, or my friends all of a sudden ditching me was not at all authentic. I was told that I should feel desperate to want their attention and approval back or something. But the reality is, I don't have time to worry about whether or not people like me, nor do I care. Nor do I come up with strategies to fix these so-called problems. The experimenter said that none of her other study participants brought this up. They just answered the questions and that was that. They didn't have an issue with being told what to feel. This got me a little concerned, to be honest. I mean, do people genuinely seek the approval of others to this extent? Okay, so going back to the content of the study, I can only remember the gist of what I wrote since this was back in June. So, the first scenario with the boss. If I had a boss who didn't like me, it would probably negatively affect my motivation and overall satisfaction. In some cases, it might affect my performance, but generally, I would think that if I performed badly on purpose, it would worsen the situation. So why would I slack on my job duties just because my boss didn't like me? I would sooner quit, actually, because it wouldn't be worth it. I think I wrote that I would just do my best to do my job well without going above and beyond my job description, such as staying late um, and other extra stuff just to seek approval. And if I did my job well and the boss just for some reason didn't like me, then that would be totally irrational. What I don't like about this question is that it just makes it seem like that one job is the only place in the world that I could possibly ever work. And since the boss doesn't like me, I have to do something, anything to turn that situation around. Like, no thanks. Bye. <laughs> All right. Scenario number two, the one with the, with the boyfriend. So if my boyfriend and I got into a fight and he's like, bye, I'm over this. I'm leaving. Um, I think I wrote something about how it depends what the argument was about and whether or not I felt it was something we could work through, um, or if it was just a complete deal breaker. So even though the scenario wanted me to be in tears about it and wanted me to come up with a strategy to get him back, I was like, well, what if I don't want him back? Like, what if he doesn't want me back? You know, like it really depends on the argument and how deep it runs and whether or not. This dude is mature enough to, like, work through with me. Him walking out could be totally a blessing in disguise, even if it upsets me for a few days, you know? Like, again, it's not, like, 6 plus 6 equals 12. It's, like, <laughs> there are so many factors involved. There are so many things. It's not, I don't know why they're asking me to fill in this blank. Like, how am I supposed to, just because, like, I'm desperate for him, you know? So, what like what if the best thing for us is just to not be together but because the question required that i strategize on how to get him back i wrote that if i thought our problems were minuscule i could message him and talk to him or some shit like that even though i probably wouldn't do that in real life um in real life i probably wouldn't be dating someone who raised their voice with me in the first place or walked out over minuscule problems in the first place you know what i mean um, so as for the friends, so this is a third scenario now, the friends. If they all of a sudden stopped talking to me and didn't tell me why, first of all, how immature is that? Why would I want to come up with a strategy to pander to these people to talk to me again? Do I really want friends who are that immature? But the question told me I was supposed to be devastated and that I really wanted to feel included. I didn't understand what kind of strategy could possibly get people to start talking to me again. Like, if I messaged them, would they even reply, let alone agree to meet up with me to discuss? Probably not. So why would I want to waste time and energy begging to be let back into the lives of people who can't even treat me with basic respect? I probably wrote in the study, That I would at least try and message them to meet up and have them explain what the issue was and how I could do better. But honestly, in real life, just fuck off. Like, I can't be bothered, you know? (laughs) So, I think a lot of people hold on to things, um, and by things I mean like people and material objects or whatever, what have you, a little too hard and have a hard time seeing that it's not worth the effort. In my personal view, if people like me, they like me and if they don't, they don't. It's as simple as that. There is no magic formula to make someone like or dislike me, and I don't want to put on performances for anyone. If people don't like me and I've been authentically myself the whole time, then there's nothing to be upset about. So this brings me to the idea of scarcity, of people holding on to things a little too hard because they're afraid of losing out, whatever that even means, right? Like, feel like people sometimes feel like they need a ton of friends and losing even one of those people is unthinkable and perhaps feels like a failure to them. Um, but I mean, I've always valued having a few friends that I actually like, <laughs> that I actually talk to, that I'm actually close with, than having like a bunch of people who I call friends but don't actually have a connection with so they're not actually my friends you know what I mean I don't know it's it's not a loss if you lose these people is what I'm saying to summarize the three scenarios no this is not the only job you can have no that is not the only person who will ever agree to be in a relationship with you no those are not the only friends you will ever have yes there are so many people in this world who will appreciate us for who we are we don't have to do any work to convert people unless you really are just a horrible fucking person. But most of us are not, hopefully. <laughs> so if the aim of that study was to get authentic answers from people about these scenarios, then telling us how to feel and what the outcomes should be was really, in my opinion, not the best way to do it. You gotta question everything, folks. Our minds have the ability to think for ourselves, but we're often told that we can't. Isn't it a wonder that an ability so powerful can be manipulated and contained? I used to care if people liked me until one day I just didn't. I found that it is one of the keys to happiness. If you're gonna take anything away from listening to this today, it's hopefully that a few people's opinion of you does not define your value. Okay, so that ends this episode of True Form called Strategies to Get People to Like You. And the conclusion is there are no strategies. There's no formula. People like you or they don't. And if they don't, whatever. So I hope you enjoyed listening to this, and if you didn't, I honestly really don't care. Bye!